Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sports Day for Kia. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Yeah, it's a very good afternoon. Overcast uh, day, isn't it? Uh, a bit of cloud has come in. They reckon there might be the odd spot of rain here and there, mainly, I think, just south of Perth and possibly those listening in Mandra on DAB Plus Radio at SEN Peel. They reckon there's a bit of rain around Mandra and possibly around Bunbury. For those people listening on SEN Spirit 621, I'm not sure we get too much here in Perth if you're listening on SEN 657. It's a busy hour coming up. Busy hour coming up. Uh, we're going to speak to the brand new number one ticket holder for the West Coast Eagles. The West Coast Eagles conducted their launch today and we'll introduce uh, the person to you in just a moment. Also, later on, I'm going to actually, for Kia, list my Eagles top seven of all time. Okay? The Eagles top seven of all time because it really is the Eagles program today. We'll keep you up to date with the practice match between Fremantle and Port Adelaide. This has been played at Fremantle Oval at the moment. Frio lead 4-5-29 to Port Adelaide 3-2-20 by nine points. But it was the West Coast Eagles season launch today. There were four great players of the past that were inducted into the Hall of Fame at the West Coast Eagles. You'll hear from them a bit later on. And as I mentioned, in just a moment, we'll be speaking to the number one ticket holder for the West Coast Eagles. And a bit later on, I'll also be having a chat to our Perth Glory central defender, Mark Beavers, who played professional football in the UK. And that's all thanks to our Isuzu Ute A-League update. So Mark Beavers coming up a bit later on. As I said very shortly, Jan Cooper's going to join us. She is the number one ticket holder for the West Coast Eagles. You can congratulate her, of course. Surrounded by football her entire life was Jan Cooper. Her father is in the WA Football Hall of Fame for his work with Swan Districts. Her husband worked for the West Australian Football Commission for eight years. Both sons have been involved in football. Football has surrounded her life. And, of course, she was pivotal in the bringing of a lifelong dream of women playing this great Indigenous game of AFL. And, of course, she was so instrumental in the development of the AFLW. So we're going to have a chat now to Jan Cooper. We'll reflect on her journey and what it meant to her to now see her beloved West Coast Eagles run onto the ground in an AFLW competition. But firstly, Jan joins us on the program and let's just offer our congratulations to her. Jan, thanks for your time. No worries, Pierre. Thank you very much. Congratulations. What does it mean to you to be the number one ticket holder of the West Coast Eagles? Well, 
I, I feel absolutely privileged um, and I find it quite humbling because when you consider who some of the past number one ticket holders have been, like, a, you know, global giants like Samantha Kerr and Daniel Ricciardo and um, Damien Oliver and Julie Bishop and then there's me. So it's like, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty uh, uh, humbled, to be honest. And I was actually speechless when I was first invited to to uh, do the role, um, and that's very rare for me. I'm never lost for words, so, yeah, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> when did you get first an indication? Of course, it was before today when you were invited to take up the honour of the West Coast Eagles' number one ticket holder. When was that invitation extended to you to take up that honour? Yes, I've kept it secret for a very long time because it was uh, the week leading to Christmas. It was actually the club Christmas party that I was approached by CEO Trevor Nisbet. And um, again, I, <laughs> I was quite speechless. And at the Christmas party, that's not a good thing because that's all about fun and frivolity. So I've kept it um, close to my heart for that long, um, and as has my husband because he was the only one I was kind of allowed to tell. So... Um, yeah, it's been a, a while in the making. What about the launch today? Uh, it was a special occasion. There were four great past champions inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, of course, you were announced as the number one ticket f- f- holder. Tell us about the event today. Oh, it, it's just astonishing, really. Like, you're sitting there and looking at, you know, legends of the game, um, you know, Prittis, who's won a brown medal, Mark Lacroix, what kicked 12 goals in a, a game. Um, Philip Matera, you know, whose family has been an integral part of the club for, for many years. It's it's like kind of for me being an, a passionate football follower, walking amongst royalty. So, um, and then the, the people who give the award to the recipients are also legends in their um, career. So it, it was a really um, fantastic event. The new players were introduced to the audience as well and they look like a fine bunch of um, young men. So uh, the AFLW was acknowledged many times with their contribution. So, yeah, it, it was a really good event. Yeah, and we will hear from Don Pike, Phil Matera, Matt Prittis and Mark Lacroix who were inducted in, as Hall of Famers for the West Coast uh, Eagles. But, Jan, your story is a, a tremendous story. You grew up in a footballing family. As we mentioned, your dad is a WA Football League Hall of Famer. You mentioned your husband. Your boys, of course, were involved in football. Yep. Could you ever think what Jan Cooper would be like without football? Uh, no. <laughs> I've never given that a, a thought at all, Peter, because um, <laughs> it's always been part of my DNA, uh, my family. It's actually such a, a rich connector through the generations within our family because, you know, the grandparents go to watch the boys play footy, so then they've got this common thing to talk about. We're so tragic, though, as, as a family. We unpack games of footy all the time, and, like, my husband's downstairs watching um, the scratchy between the yeah. Dockers and Port Adelaide as we speak. So, you know, I've never given a thought to what it would be like without football, but I did um, go without it for one year when I was on teaching exchange in Canada. But that also provided me an opportunity because I was never allowed to coach at that. You know, my generation wasn't allowed to coach, even though I'd done my level one four times. But as a teacher in Canada, I thought, 
oh, I'm going to teach them how to play AFL when the snow melts. So that was my opportunity to, to coach football, um, but I couldn't see any games that year. So um, it, it was a missing piece to my um, psyche for that year. Um, and it was back in the days when there was no internet or anything, so you couldn't watch replays or anything. But uh, phone calls to home were really peppered with conversations about how Swan districts were going, et cetera, et cetera. It's interesting. You used to sit as a, a young girl there in McDonald's stand and, and raucous and cheer on the beloved Swan District footy club. You mentioned you weren't allowed to coach. Of course, as a girl, you weren't allowed to play either. So... What was that like? Because you probably were eager to get out there and mix it with the boys at that stage, well, even though you were yeah. the other gender. Yeah, quite right, Peter. Because um, And it's sort of a bit ironic too, because the very first women's league ever in Australia was in the goldfields. And I spent a large slab of my early years in the goldfields. But unfortunately, the women's league had long gone. So that was a bit ironic that I should be in the goldfields and not afforded the opportunity to play. But I had um, heaps of king of the packs and kick to kicks and all sorts of things with my brothers, their friends, you know, boyfriends over the years. So uh, a couple of powder puff derbies back in the day. Um, and I, yes, I would have loved to have played, but um, I certainly have been a passionate fan of the game um, and supporter of it. So I've just had to accept that that was my gen. and. Um, and I'm happy that I was able to still be heavily involved in the code and more so now that I'm getting into my twilight years. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got plenty, plenty to get through and plenty to do still going forward, Jan. As I said, you were offered the job uh, with the AFL to develop female talent. I mentioned in the introduction, what do you think now when you see you're the number one ticket holder for the West Coast Eagles. Again, we congratulate you on that honour. But now to see the West Coast Eagles in a fully-fledged AFLW competition, what does that mean to you from those early days when you're trying to get women's football recognised? Oh, look, it, the moment those girls ran out for the very first game against Collingwood, honestly, if, you'd, if Kleenex had have uh, sponsored me, <laughs> I would have gone through a box of tissues. It was... Like tears of joy, it's just those girls, I could see myself reflected in them, their passion for the game. Um, they've, they've always wanted to be able to play this code that they've been watching from the sidelines, as I had to. But now they're afforded these opportunities and it grows. You know, they don't have to just play. They can dream of being a coach, an umpire, an administrator. I mean, I think of the current batch of AFLW players, we will get a, a female CEO out of this batch of players simply because whichever club or clubs they're connected to will actually understand that they know what they're talking about, that they are good leaders. And, um, you know, to me, eventually the code will absolutely reflect our community across both genders, all cultural backgrounds, all sexualities, you name the diversity and the code will truly reflect that. It's interesting, isn't it? I did a bit of reading before actually inviting you on the program. Again, we thank you very much for your time and what's been probably an emotional roller coaster of a day for you is that when you were trying to give justification to a women's league, you were actually 
a lot of resentment or certainly a lot of questions were asked, like people saying women will hurt their chest. It's a brutal game. Women will hurt themselves. They'll lose their femininity. How did you handle all that backlash? People saying, no, this can never happen for those reasons. Well, um, I learnt very quickly that I couldn't just have an opinion and a couple of random samples of myself and a few other passionate people Mm. that I actually had to do research. So very quickly, a a colleague in New South Wales conducted some focus groups over there and I conducted some focus groups over here. And we asked exactly the same questions of a bunch of secondary school girls who were playing football in inter-school competitions and said to them, what is it you love about this code? What are your aspirations within the code? What do you think the code has to do to get your dreams to come true? And it didn't matter whether it was a girl in Wagga Wagga or a girl in um, Geraldton. They all said the same things. And once we had that evidence, the, the number one reason they loved playing our code was because they loved the physicality of the game. So once we had that evidence, that's what we took to the decision makers and said, look, we've got this body of evidence. They love playing the code because it is physical and they can challenge themselves. And then there were some other reasons after that. Mm. So once we had that body of evidence, it made it a lot easier for us to put across the argument that you need to give us uh, equitable opportunities, the same as the, the boys, because if you don't, then you're going to miss out on a huge slab of the next generation producing children who will fall in love with our code too. They'll just take them off to other codes because you're turning your back on involving women and girls. So once we had all the evidence, it did become a little bit easier. That didn't mean to say there weren't barriers still, but, yeah, with great perseverance and, you know, state-based colleagues being so passionate and agitating as well, then, yeah, obviously it's come to fruition. Jan, I could talk to you for ages, but I know I'm precious. You've got precious <laughs> time, and uh, I'd like to ask you a couple of final ones if I can. It's a twofold yeah. question. Do you reckon the AFL jumped on the AFLW a bit late? They should have been a bit more proactive a few years earlier. And I know they fast-tracked it even to last year where all of a sudden every AFL club had an AFLW uh, team as well. Do you reckon they were playing catch-up for a few years? And do you think they fast-tracked it too quickly? No, I don't actually, Peter. Um, I can say that in 20... We had a... um, We, being state-based colleagues, anybody involved in the development of the women and girls pathway, we had a vision in 2010 that by the time we had 250,000 women and girls running around in... um, as registered players, we felt then we would have the depth of talent to maybe have a six-team... Uh, national competition. Well, when Gillen announced it um, in May 2016, we all choked because he hadn't actually sort of spoken to us about it. Mm. But then we looked at our figures and we went, gee, we've taken our foot off the pedal a bit here. We've got 480,000 women and girls registered. And so, yes, we're ready. So, yes, it it is a, a bit quick to get a national comp up and running, but let's do it. And, of course, everything else has fallen into place. And, again, when they announced the expansion to the 18 clubs, um, you know, earlier last year, again, I was a little bit um, reticent. I thought, oh, I don't know, is there a depth of talent in in New South Wales that can, you know, put the Sydney Swans in a competitive um, 
situation. But, yeah, they were highly competitive as a, a new team and they're going to be highly competitive again, if not, you know, big improvers. So mm. I just... And when you look at the... There's 20% of memberships of AFLW had no connection to an AFL club previous to AFLW being implemented. So that, to me, shows that we have... a we've met a group of people that we've been able to engage in the code that weren't interested as AFL, but as AFLW, yeah, they are fully committed. So, no, I don't think anything's too early. And to be honest, being a, a um, solutions-based person, there's enough people in this code now with the intellect and the, the dedication that, Yep, if things go awry, then get them in the room and there'll be some solutions to improve the situation. So I don't think anything's happened too early at all. Jan, as we let you go, I'm not going to ask your age, but I reckon we're a similar demographic. And, of course, we... we <laughs> I think grew I'm up... much older than you. <laughs> <laughs> we grew up... I grew up at Perth Oval on the banks watching my beloved East Perth. You were in the McDonald Grandstand watching beloved Swan Districts. Yep. I say to some people, and you probably agree... The game has evolved so much. Uh, it's a completely different game these days compared to what we grew up watching, isn't it? And are you comfortable oh, with the absolutely. evolution of the game? Oh, look, again, I'm I'm up for anything, really. You know, change is a good thing in a lot of ways. And, and I do remember, Peter, um, watching, you know, the Billy Walkers run around. That was the, the gen that first I paid attention to who the players' names were, apart from my dad. And... <laughs> There was a lot, I think there was a lot more one-on-one -on -one footy. There was definitely a lot of drop kicking, which doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really good. I, I, I think the game is faster. There's a lot more speckies taken. Some of the kicks for goal are just, you know, absolutely out of this world. And, and even at today's event at West Coast, you know, we saw some of the footage of Mark Lacroix and Philip Matera kicking them from ridiculous angles. So... Yeah, I, I love the evolution of the game. I hope it doesn't change too much. I'm jury's out on the four umpire system. Um, I think you just have to get over yourself a bit when umpires are only human and, and don't pick up free kicks. But I'm willing to see how that evolves. But no, I love it, Peter. Uh, I, and I've loved to, and I've loved talking to you, Jan. Congratulations on being the West Coast Eagles' number one ticket holder. No, richly deserved, and and take it on board for Thank what you. it's worth. It's acknowledgement of exactly your contribution to our Indigenous game. Thanks for your time. Pleasure. Thank you, Peter. Good on you. Jan Cooper, the West Coast Eagles number one ticket holder, joining us here on the program. She is so articulate and you could talk to her for a long time. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Give us your thoughts on the temper of bedshed text machine 0487 736 736 or call 13 12 55. We're here for Toolmart, the complete tool centre, and they've been serving West Australians for over 45 years now. And also Kia, progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. We'll update a bit of sport. We'll update the cricket for you and also the football at Fremantle Oval after the break. And then I'd love you to see if we're on the same page. On the temperate bedshed text machine for Kia, I'm going to list, being a bit of an Eagles day today, the Eagles top seven of all time. Okay? The Eagles top seven of all time. I won't ask you to nominate the top seven. Give us your top three. Three, two, one. All thanks to the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorrento here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia.
The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Let's have a look at what's happening in sport for tyre power. Buy three, get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres during tyre power's store-wide super sale. Half-time in the practice game up the road at Fremantle Oval and to Dockers, who lead 6-3-39 to Port Adelaide 4-3-27. That five's kicked uh, a couple of goals and has looked uh, pretty good. In the test match, India now lead Australia by 25 runs. With six wickets remaining, uh, Sharma was out for 12, Gill 5, Kohli 13, and Jadeja for 7. Uh, Pujara now is 44 not out, and Shreyas is 26 not out of only 25 balls. He's clobbered a couple of sixes, actually, in uh, his uh, short innings, but certainly uh, a very exciting innings for the Indian fans. Nathan Lyon has been the pick of the bowlers, 14 overs, 3 for 40. And Matthew Kuhneman uh, got rid of Coley, 1 for 52 off 13. Mitchell Stark has bowled just the two overs uh, for six. And Todd Murphy, eight overs, no wicket for nine. And Rafael Nadal's incredible 18-year record of consecutive weeks in the top 10 of the ATP rankings is set to end finally. After the Spanish legend withdrew from the Indian Wells in Miami tournaments due to injury, it will mean that the 36-year-old who has spent nearly half his life in the top 10 will finally relinquish his place. And Nadal made the 2022 Indian Wells final and will lose 600 points from his withdrawal, hence why he will fall out of the top 10. And by the way, better news on Taron Thomas too, that North Melbourne has advised that the charges heard in the Melbourne Magistrate Court last week against Taron Thomas have been withdrawn. So Thomas returned to training this week and he continues to complete his respect and responsibility training and education program. So that's the latest there. All right. We've had a few people through on the temperate uh, bedshed text machine regarding their top three Eagles. And now for the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento, let's roll my Eagles top seven of all time. Number seven. All right. Dean Kemp comes in at number seven. For me, the quiet achiever of the Eagles. He didn't have the blistering pace of Peter Matera or the charisma of Chris Mainwaring, but he was perhaps the Eagles' most reliable midfielder and is one of the best midfielders I've seen for delivering the ball into the forward line. Now we go with number six, and it's Guy number McKenna. Six. Yeah, thank you very much. Better late than never, as they say. The great uh, Eagles side of 2005 and 2006 was known for its midfield, but... The great sides of 92 and 94 were known for its defence and Glenn Jackovich, Johnny Worsfold, Michael Brennan, Ashley McIntosh and Guy McKenna, clearly the best defence of the 1990s for mine. And Guy McKenna gets my nod for being the Eagles' most consistent performer. Not always their best, but thereabouts. And he maintained that forever, a decade. Number five. All right, let's look at number five. I've gone for Big Dean Cox. Okay, the Cox man. Dean Cox did for rucking what I reckon Adam Gilchrist did for wicketkeeping. There you go. Before Gilly, it was unheard of a wicketkeeper to be such a great batsman. But Coxie, it was unheard for a midfielder to be so complete. Okay, he was most definitely the most complete ruckman in the history of the AFL. And Lee Matthews said that, actually. 
He was happy running with the ball, bouncing the ball a few times, throwing a dummy, kicking off the left foot, dribbling around the ground. He was just brilliant. So number five, Dean Cox for me. Number four. All right, Jacko, you've got a Guernsey here at number four. And there's no contest when the greatest Eagles defender is discussed. And it's always together with Wayne Carey, who's regarded as the greatest AFL footballer possibly of all time. Yet Djakovic not only often achieved parity with Carey, he sometimes dominated him. And the Djakovic-Carey rivalry often overshadowed what were the matches between the two best sides of the 90s. A bit like really Tendulka versus Warren. People sometimes forget there were other players to focus on. Number three. Inside the 50, they're coming again. Engerson defiantly. Matera, brilliant pickup. Gets through the traffic. This deserves a goal. And he's got it. Magical goal. Across to Hedy. A delicate little chip to the run of Matera. Suddenly the Eagles are alive. Matera sets sail for home. And the Eagles hit the front. All right. Uh, number three. We'll go with Peter Matera. There have been two great grand final performances that stick out in my lifetime. The first was Gary Ablett Sr.'s nine-goal haul in 1989, and the second was Peter Matera's five-goal haul in 1992. Matera's grand final performance deserves to be better remembered than it was. Matera was, after all, a winger, and Ablett was a full forward and should be kicking goals. But Matera's five goals, four of them were scored from outside 50, goes down in AFL folklore. Number two. Feeds it to Cousins. Cousins on the 50. Heads for home. It hangs in the air. It's good. Across to Cousins. He's been running all year. And he's finishing strongly. Good to see Benny back down there at the Perth Footy Club. But his off-field controversies didn't detract for me from his incredible football legacy. There was a period in the early 2000s when Cousins was the Eagles' only shining light. He was by far and away their best player. And in fact, he was quite unlucky not to win the Brownlow medal in a lacklustre 2003 Eagles side. I'm glad he won the Brownlow eventually. He could have won one or two more if uh, you ask people around town. So let's go to number one. Number one. Judd through traffic, received it beautifully and put a stamp of class on the game. Judd. Just come straight through the middle of that pack. No one else but Chris Judd has the ability to do this. This is unbelievable. Yeah, he was unbelievable. And determining whether it was Chris Judd, Ben Cousins, Peter Matera as the Eagles' best player overall depends on how much you value peak form over longevity, I gather. Uh, I have reservations over placing Judd at the top of my list when he was playing half of his career at Carlton. But at his peak, he was probably the best Eagle I'd seen in that period. Matera wasn't far behind, nor was Cousins, uh, and they enjoyed a longer career. But Judd was never the same at Carlton as he was at West Coast. Yes, he won the best and fairest at Carlton a few times, along with a Brownlow medal to boot, but he wasn't the player he was here in the West. And uh, I remember in 2007, you know, he polled 16 Brownlow medal votes in eight rounds. He only played a poll in eight consecutive rounds 
in Brownlow history. Was an outstanding player. So there you go. The Kia top seven, the Eagles top seven of all time, according to yours, truly, And of course, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento, Kia's large SUV, is available now at your nearest Kia dealer. You can join us anytime. Agree, disagree. Think that maybe I'm on the mark, completely off the mark. More than happy to get your reaction on the temperate bedshed text machine. 0487 736 736 in the cricket because uh, it is a half time in the match between Fremantle and Port Adelaide. And in fact, the Dockers lead 5-9-39 to 4-3-27 by 12 points. Uh, a wicket. Uh, Shreyas is out. Uh, out for 26. Uh, Pujara is 44 now out. Barat has come to the crease. He's one not out. So the India 514, they lead by 26 runs with five wickets remaining. And you'd have to say that Australia is in the box seat. It's coming up 28 to 6. We'll have a look at the A-League next with the big burly Perth Glory central defender in Mark Beavers. Sports Day for Kia. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Yes, football is here. Here is the Isuzu Ute A-League and experience it live. Search A-League's tickets and get your tickets, of course, when the Perth Glory return home after they play Western United this weekend. Back at HBF Park and uh, really looking forward to that. And, of course, Mark Beavers, uh, who is the big recruit during the off-season, wouldn't have played at HBF Park. And no doubt he's looking forward to uh, playing at the Glory's um, traditional home there in East Perth. We've got uh, Mark Beavers joining us here on Sports Day now. Mark, thanks for your time. No problem. Nice to uh, nice to speak to you, mate. You okay? Yeah, I'm very well. Now, you're a Yorkshireman. Uh, how are you handling the hot weather, mate? Uh, it's been challenging, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, <laughs> off the pitch, it's been great. Uh, but, yeah, on the pitch, it's been you know, something that I've had to adapt to pretty quick. But, uh, yeah, it's all good. all good. Yeah, it's been pretty humid uh, the last couple of days, let me tell you. I gather you've been training in the humidity. Uh, well, we're over in Melbourne at the moment, uh, which is from what I've uh, seen so far, a lot different to the weather in Perth. So it's actually been more like back home in, uh, uh, in Melbourne. So clouds and 20 degrees. It's like our summer back in England. So interesting <laughs> is that I, I was unaware you didn't return to Perth after the game on the weekend. You just went straight to Melbourne, did you? That's right, yeah. We've just been training here all week and then uh, we'll be heading up to uh, Ballarat tomorrow for the game on uh, on Saturday. Does that work? Uh, you've been a professional footballer for a long time. As you know, you don't normally travel these extensive distances when you play in the UK. Is it better to stay there than maybe fly back to Perth and, and go again? What are your thoughts on it all? Yeah, I think sometimes it can be. I mean, there's um, you know a couple of positives you can take out of it. One being that um, we're all together and you know we can analyse previous games and get a lot of time on the training ground and you know off the pitch uh, as well meetings and things like that so um, they're the pros of doing it and you know one big thing for me is uh, you know staying on the same time zone as well um, mm. you know even though you know Brisbane were two hours uh, over here's three so it's uh, you know, it's fairly similar in comparison to back in Perth uh, the three hour difference so um, yeah it's been good to um, you know spend a lot of time with each other and 
you know, we've, we've got two, we've had two, well, one of them, two big games with uh, Brisbane and, and one at the weekend, and we'll be looking to uh, take maximum points at the weekend. Before we talk about the glory, I need to talk about a couple of your former clubs, and you probably follow them fairly closely. Sheffield Wednesday, who are in League One, look like are on their way to possibly even promotion to the championship. And what about Millwall, uh, who have got real fanatical supporters? You played over 100 games there. They're making a pretty good run. Do you reckon there's any chance that Millwall one day, maybe even next season, could be in the Premier League? Are you following those two clubs with interest? Yeah, I follow all my uh, previous clubs, to be honest. Um, and, you know, there's two of them. Um, and, and both are doing really well. Uh, I mean, going on to Millwall, um, you know, they've been... They've kind of been a team that's kind of mid-table uh, for a while now. So I think once you, you know, become a, an established team in the championship, then obviously you're going to be looking to go the other way. Um, and I see no reason why not. Uh, I've been looking at their highlights and they've got a good squad down there. So, you know, it'd be great to see them in the Premier League next year. And they've got as good a chance as anybody else around that position um, in the playoffs. So we'll uh, we'll see. But it's a tough league. Yeah, um, it is. You know, top, top top to bottom um everyone can beat each other so it's um it's it's quite a it's a difficult league to bet on put it that way not that i do bet but it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of them you don't know who's going to beat anyone so like yeah it's um it's going to be interesting going into the final stages of the season well of course we were connected a bit in australia in the early days when tim cale started his career of course at millwall so tell me about the Den, and tell me about the Millwall supporters. And I gather it's it's East <laughs> London, isn't it? It's East London, West Ham's close, those sort of clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's South East London, yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, I've loved playing for Millwall. Um, you know, it, it was one of, you know, it was a good part of my career, as in I, I really enjoyed it. It was three years as well, so it's a good chunk. Um, and I think it's one of them, like, he, Millwall supporters, you know, all, all they ask for really is you to roll your sleeves up and you know, try your hardest, basically. Very simple things, but that's what they want to see um, down in that area. And if you give them that, they'll they'll be good to you as well. So luckily enough, I was, um, you know, I did roll my sleeves up and they were, they were quite good to me, to be fair. But, you know, I think they've got kind of, kind of a name tag for being, you know, a bit naughty. <laughs> but... Um, the, yeah, it's it's a very hostile stadium to play in, but when you play for them, it, you can use it to your advantage. It's great. Um, but I played there a couple of times as an away player, and it's uh, it's not so nice to be honest. Which I think they'll be they'll be happy to hear. Talking about hostile places to play, you've used Macedonia Park to your advantage. Okay, you've drawn a couple of games there, and Melbourne City did get you in that 4-2 match. But you also scored your first A-League goal in that come-from-behind draw against the Newcastle Jets. How did you find playing at Macedonia Park? As I said in the introduction, your next home game will be at the Rectangular Stadium in HBF Park. But how did you find that suburban ground? Yeah, well, funny enough, we've actually been chatting about the grounds around the early league today uh, amongst ourselves, and we actually said that I, I feel that Macedonia Park has actually been one of the better um, uh, kind of atmospheres um, across the early league, in my opinion, with it being, you know, reasonably small in comparison to the other mm. grounds we've played at, um, and we do make some noise, so it, it, we we can make it hostile. It's what we kind of asked for at the start of the season from the fans, and and they've delivered so. It's um, we've, like I said, we've used that to our advantage, and we've got a few results. Have late, they've been you know draws, and we've not managed to turn them into uh, to wins. But you know we'll be looking to rectify that pretty quick. 
You haven't won in five. Uh, there's a couple of losses in there and, and a couple of draws as well. It's important. Western United sit below you. You need to win this game on the road before you come back to Perth because you're gaining a bit of momentum. You've just lost it in the last few weeks, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I, f- I feel as though, you know, over the last few games, there are a couple of where we've been, you know, pretty unlucky. We've been on top and, you know, maybe at both ends been, um, we've, we've got no one else to blame but ourselves. Like we've had a few chances and we've also conceded some sloppy goals in our opinion as well. Um, having, in my opinion, been relatively solid um, as a team, um, but we've just conceded a few sloppy goals, which has ultimately cost us. Um, but we know that we've been playing some good stuff, which is a positive. So as soon as we can rectify those um, those mistakes, then you know them them losses, stroke draws, will be turning into wins pretty quick. And like I said, the weekend is um, is massive for us because the league's so tight. If you win one or two, you can find yourself in that top six. So. Mm. Um, we know that, um, and we'll be, you know, using that as an incentive going going into the game on Saturday. All right. Uh, before I let you go, a couple of final questions. Uh, you're almost the same age as the coach. You guys call him the gaffer, uh, being the manager. Um, you're roughly, I think, in your mid thirties, both of you. He, I think, Ruben's around about thirty five, thirty six. So yourself. Now, tell me, was there any truth? when you didn't play a few weeks ago, that you and Ryan Williams were benched because you got into a bit of a kerfuffle with the coach. But I know Ruben, and he, as a player, and when he played for the Socceroos, he wore his heart on his sleeve. He's probably like that as a coach. Any truth to that at all? Well, I can put that to bed for you right now. It was absolute garbage. I did hear about that, to be honest, in the press. And whoever shut that out, it was absolute garbage. Um... I had a back injury that night and uh, Ryan had a groin injury. Simple as that. So, yeah, I did hear that and we kind of laughed amongst ourselves. Like, Reeves came out of a, a press, uh, a meeting with the press after the game and said that he'd been questioned about us having an argument, which never happened. So, yeah, that's as simple as it gets on that. And is it what you expected, Mark, coming to Perth, uh, a very isolated city in the country they know as Down Under, Australia, a long way from your native UK and South Yorkshire? Is it what you expected? Um, in terms of living, you mean? Or oh, like, just or the whole package. Well, the whole package, I gather. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Um, I mean, I was told a few things before I came over in terms of there's a lot of travelling the football side of things um, which you know it's been great uh, got to go over to you know certain parts of the planet that I'd probably not never go over to um, and you know living in Perth great we, as a family we, we absolutely love it um, and you know the, the kids have gone to school and settled in really well uh, on a personal level so everything's going well at the minute personally for me um, we just need to turn them results around on, on the pitch and you know it'll all, all be going swimmingly and the big question is, I know you got a two-year deal. This is the big question before I let you go. Is your partner happy here? Yes. Yes, we're all, we're all happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is the big question. Of course right? it is. In, 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 in a lot of uh, you know marriages, partnerships, whatever it is, that is the big question. And my answer is yes, he's happy. So Good stuff. It's all good. Good stuff. Go and get the points with the boys on the weekend. Bring three back home. And we look forward to seeing you, not this weekend, next weekend. Thanks, Mark, for your time. 
Definitely. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Good on you. That's Mark Beavers, the central defender for the Perth Glory. Good to have a chat to him. We're here for Toolmart, the complete tool centre, and Kia, progressive technology, blistering performance, and quality design. You're with Peter Vlahos here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Yes, let's just update the cricket. Interesting. 625. India have lost another one. Yes, they have... uh, Shrikar Bharat uh, was out bowled by Nathan Lyon for three. Ashwin is seven not out. And Pujada, who came in at the fall of the uh, first wicket, is 46 not out. Uh, at the moment, the lead is just 37. Four wickets remaining. And we're into the final session of day two. Nathan Lyon has got four poles. He's bowled 16 overs, four for 45. Uh, Matthew Kuhneman, one for 52. And Mitchell Stark has taken a wicket, one for 13. And there may be another one that's fallen, actually. So let's have a go. Oh, Stark got uh, the flasher, Shreyas, who hit 26, only faced 27 balls, hit three fours and two sixes. And Stark got him out by Kawaja. So he's got the other wicket, one for 13, and he's bowling his fifth over. The footy is underway again in the second half at Fremantle Oval. And it is Fremantle 6-11-47 over Port Adelaide, four goals, 6-30. The difference is 17 points in the practice game there. West Coast Eagles, we touched on it earlier, had their big event. We spoke to Jan Cooper, who today at the season launch was given the honour of being the number one ticket holder. It's great to speak to Jan at the top of the program. Also today, there were four great former West Coast Eagles players that were honoured with being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And those were, as we mentioned, Don Pike. Don Pike, of course, played between 1989 and 1996. 132 games, two-time premiership player in 92 and 94. He also was an assistant coach for a couple of years as well and also a director on the board of the West Coast Eagles for a few years in the early 2000s. Also, Matthew Prittis, 240 games. Brownlow medalist, as we know, in 2014. He was a club champion the season before, All-Australian and uh, also a Sandover medalist. Took a little while to come on board in the AFL, was overlooked for a few drafts, but boy, oh boy, what a player he was in the end. Mark Lacroix, who played 219 games, premiership player in 2018. Of course, a leading goal kicker in uh, 09 and 2010, also an All-Australian in 2010. That was probably his uh, best season when it came to kicking goals. And the fourth member of the former West Coast Eagles party that uh, was inducted into the Hall of Fame today was Phil Matera. Fido, as he was affectionately known, played 179 games. He was leading goal kicker five times, best clubman and an All-Australian in 2003. And, of course, the Matera name, synonymous with Peter Matera, who's also in the Hall of Fame. This is what Fido said today. Oh, look, when I first rocked up here, um, we used to train down in front of Steve's Lynch in old rugby ground there, and I rocked up at, I think it was like 68 kilos or something, and 
and skinny and you know from the country and everyone kept saying you know you're Peter's brother and we'd go to the I'd go to the fence to sign an autograph and they'd say no no we want Peter and so, <laughs> um, when they started asking for my signature I suppose I thought I made it I suppose um, it was yeah it was a couple of years in I, I wasn't a great kick early I had to work a lot on my um, my chasing and tackling and I remember Mick Mulhouse said to me that. The best thing I could do was learn to put pressure, um, to use my pace and to put pressure on the opposition when we didn't have the ball. Um, and Wusher was big on that when we sort of when he took over. But I really tried to make sure that if I didn't have the ball that the opposition batsmen were scared and were looking around to see where this little fast rocket We'll just leave uh, little Fido there for New Farm products formulated with the highest quality right here in Australia. New Farm Australian through and through. For Perth tomorrow, a top of 30 degrees. And for Bunbury... We're looking at 28. Good night, everyone.